Okay, thank you, recording lady. Uh, okay, so this is uh, the second episode of Padchad Yitzchak, and I have with me today the person responsible for that name, and I felt it was only fair to uh, give her first crack at this. Um, and mostly I am using this podcast as an excuse to talk to cool people. Uh, and uh, here's Ab uh, Abigail Halpern. Um, I was going to refer to her as Rob Abigail Halpern, but uh, last time I did that, she got a little mad at me. I don't know. It's an Ayanahara. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, and uh, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, what's, uh, what your background is, I guess. Great. Um, right now, I learned Torah professionally, which is a great life. I'm in my last, cool. Yeah, I'm in my last year of smicha at Hadar in New York. I live in Washington okay. Heights. I grew up in the modern Orthodox community in West Hartford, Connecticut. So okay. committed out of towner. I feel very strongly that I'm from the New England part of Connecticut and not the tri-state part of Connecticut. It's like two and a half, three hours from where I grew so up in New York Stanford, City. Stanford, the tri-state area? Or Stanford the... is the tri-state okay. area. Stanford. I know many yeah. lovely people from Stanford, but Stanford, that's not Connecticut. That's not Connecticut. Yeah. That's a New York suburb. Yeah. If you can go to schools in New York, then I guess you're a New York suburb. Yeah. Um, yeah. And about, continue with, uh, with your background and ignore my interruptions. Keep going. Um, my undergrad degree is in Jewish studies with a focus on Talmud. And I'm right now particularly interested in Torah through a feminist lens, especially Torah that centers women's experiences. Yeah. And I am in, I think, year two and a half of a one-year Dvar Torah newsletter project where I write a Dvar Torah in every Parsha, quoting from some, at least one source who isn't a man. It's called Approaching. You can find it at avigail.substack.com. Avigail has a Y because my parents wanted people to be able to pronounce my name. It didn't super work, um, but that's how you spell my name. Do people and not usually spell it that way? Because that's how we'll I spelled spell it, it on the Tanakh uh, thing that I gave my students today. So people like to spell it like Abigail with a V without a Y, but like that's not how you say it in, yeah. in any way. So yeah, and uh, I think those are those are the main things about me. Yeah, uh, like yeah. Subscribe to my newsletter. End of pitch. Yeah, and uh, you're the you're the person I got the idea to have a newsletter from. Uh, so. All credit to her on that. Uh, all right. So you wanted to uh, read Pachad Yitzhak Shavuot Yud Gimel uh, and present it through, um, present it as uh, saying something about Rav Hudner's attitude uh, towards uh, feminism, women, or uh, I don't know. You put it. You put it the way you want to put it because sure, I yeah. am butchering this. No. It's about the ladies. Um, no, I think it's actually a mamar about that dismantles the hierarchy between the intellectual side of Talmud Torah that we think of as Talmud Torah and the kind of care work that goes into sustaining Talmud Torah, which is a topic I'm particularly interested in both because of feminist philosophy on care, but also because I'm a yeshiva student who's in a yeshiva structure that is pretty traditional in that it makes it very hard to do other kinds of care work for myself and for others mm. around the edges of that. And I'm interested in thinking about how to better integrate those things. Okay. That sounds interesting, uh, which is why I have you on the show. 
also the fact that you named the podcast, but whatever. Yeah, I did. It should be stressed that I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, all right. So do you want to read the, uh, it's a short enough memoir that you could read it, right? I think, I think that or maybe. You can sum it up. Yeah, I think I'm going to read some and sum up some. So I'm just okay, going to walk us yeah. through it and I'm going to sum up some and read some, I think, where it makes sense. And yep. if you feel like I'm unclear or skipping stuff, et cetera, you let me know. Okay. Okay. So it starts off in Great Repentner style. We're going to talk about something halachic and it's going to turn out to not be about, or it's going to turn out to be about halacha plus. Yeah. Not just halacha. I would never say something is just halacha. Okay. So Kushiat Tosfot, Parak Kama Debrechot. Tosfot have a question in the first parak of Brachot. Okay. Lama Birkata Torah, Poterik Kol Hayom. So you say Birkata Torah one time in the morning, and then you're good the rest of the day. It's not like I say Birkata Torah, I say my little Mishnayot and Gemaras, et cetera, et cetera, that I memorized in day school. And then I sit down at the beginning of Halacha Seder and I have to say the Bracha again. No, like I said it, I'm done for the day. And why is that? So what's the difference between learning Torah, where again, you have this bracha at the beginning of the day, that you're, then you're good, from say sukkah, where every time you walk into the sukkah, you say lechev sukkah if you're going to eat. Okay, that's, the, that's Tosfot's question. Here's a solution from Tosfot. So Torah, so Tosfot is categorically a different kind of thing because you're always thinking about Torah. And at, because at every moment, we have a chiv to learn Torah. The Pasuk says, our chiv in Torah is constant, never ending. And so it's as if you walk into the sukkah in the morning and you hang out there all day. And you might notice that actually having your mind on Torah the whole day and having a chiyuv in Torah the whole day are really different things, which is one of the things that Rafutter picks up on. Interesting. But like the existence of a chiyuv and actually being involved in Limud Torah are two different things. Yeah. I, I expand on that a little bit in terms of um, making a lumpish point or are you making a sort of philosophical point? Gam vegan, I think. I'm not sure those are separate. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, continue. Right, but if you're saying that Tosfot are kind of making, they're kind of making two claims that they're treating like one claim. <laughs> um, and they, so right, there's what makes Torah different from sitting in a sukkah? Mm. First, So you're always thinking about Torah and then they make it causative, right? Because you're always thinking about Torah because you always have a chiyuv to be learning Torah. But like one doesn't, I don't think one follows nicely from the other. And I think that's yeah. actually a problem in this Tosfot that Rav Huttner is picking up on and trying to solve here. That's interesting. Yeah, that uh, just because you have a chiyuv to do it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to finish out the paragraph. I can't give a Tosfot. Great. That was a Tosfot. Now here's Rav Hutner's voice again. And so unnamed other Rishonim, probably if we looked in the back at the little, at the citations, we could find out who those are, but yeah. I haven't. Um, 
sort of fun. So, he I'm, never cites his sources. Yeah, he's like, you know this, for, right? And except like, for I the don't... times he's proud of, uh, like, yeah, okay. Right, he cites, like, only Kabbalists. Yeah, and uh, very interestingly that I didn't notice until someone pointed out to me, he never quotes Hasidic sources, even though he's very clearly influenced by them, like, mm. very clearly influenced by Rav Tzedek. Mm -hmm. No quote from him, no quote from Rav Cook, who he was, like, close to personally, um, but now I'm talking about Rufiner in general and getting away from the Mamar. You continue. Well, we're doing both. Okay. So there's this problem with Tosfot, which isn't quite the problem I was pointing to, but it's related, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, okay, but Torah isn't the only thing, the only mitzvah where you have a chiv to do it, sort of the chiv applying all day. Mm -hmm. Where... And we have other mitzvot where the mitzvah applies all day, but you do say the bracha multiple times, right? We don't yeah. wear tefillin all day now, but if you're a person who wears tefillin, for example, during davening, you take them off to go to the bathroom, you didn't, you didn't really have in mind you were going to put them back on, you have to say the bracha again. Yeah. So it's just See, not the case that the fact that you have a chiv in the mitzvah all day means that you only have to make the bracha once. Since this would probably be the same way, right? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like if you put on a talus later in the day after you put on your talus, like... Yeah. Someone's like, hey, what do you lean medcha? And you put on a talus yeah. and that talus is your own talus. So you would say a bracha. You do say a bracha. Yeah. yeah. I know you know those halachot better than I do. So uh, it's, my, it's my pet project. Yes. Uh, you can read more of Abigail's stuff if you want to <laughs> know about her uh, talus and tefillin. And if you want to send her any pictures of clothes that look <laughs> disturbingly like a talit. Um, yeah. Anyway, continue with the mom. Yeah, I was just watching um, His Dark Materials on HBO, like, right before we started this. Mm -hmm. And the third season has, like, angels, and the angels are wearing something that's definitely chayv and tzitzis, which is, like, maybe fine because they're angels and not chayv and mitzvot. So that was less upsetting. Okay. But they're yeah. human actors. Yeah. Maybe they're Jewish. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the malachi are not obligated in mitzvot. That's why they had the whole argument. Yeah. yeah. Poor malachi Sad for them. Okay. Okay, yeah. speaking of mitzvah, okay, segue. So there are three main arguments or three main sections, sources, pieces of this mamar, I would say, in terms of the places that have the main idea content. And in Goodrow Hutner style, he's like, here's one thing, here's another thing, here's another thing, and at the end, he ties it all in a bow for you. Yeah. And this is a particularly nice mamar because sometimes he doesn't tie it in a bow for you. And part of what I like about this mamar is it's really tidy. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he's like, yeah, you figure it out. I give him yeah. the ingredients. Bake a cake. Yeah. But here he's like, here's the recipe. And then at the end you get a cake, which is great. Everybody likes cake. Yeah. Continue. Okay. So the first thing he brings, this is, I'm summarizing. So the first thing he brings is a statement from Sota. And so if you're a person who at some point was very intractably involved in the kind of orthodox feminist discourse about can women learn Gemara, this part of Sota is going to be really familiar for you. And if you didn't do that, I assume you have other things to talk about in therapy and I will summarize for you. So there's a machloket in Mishnah Sota about whether women should learn Torah or not, and that is basically about whether or not it's one of the things that comes up is the idea that if a woman has learned Torah, she the merit of that Torah will 
suspend her punishment if she when she drinks the soda water where if she has been in a if she has adulter what's the verb form um a verb form of adulter? if she cheated on her husband i'm gonna say that i was trying to yeah, make adultery adulterated adulterated uh, that doesn't feel uh, right yeah yeah okay. whatever yeah so if she's been unfaithful she drinks this water her belly quote unquote belly and thigh swell up something reproductive something sexual going on she maybe explodes um but the Mishnah says if she's learned Torah maybe that merit protects her and so the question in the Gemara in Sota is how does the merit of her Torah learning protect her if we know that women have no chiyuv in Talmud Torah? What do you mean you get the merit and it's such strong merit that it's protective for a mitzvah that you don't have chiyuv in, you're doing it optionally at best. And so the answer that Masachat Sota brings is this idea that it's the schut of enabling, of a woman enabling her husband and her sons to go to and from the Beit Midrash, sort of supporting them in the background. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Rav Hunter emphasizes, this isn't some sort of different mitzvah than Talmud Torah. You might, right, you might think that, okay, Talmud Torah is a mitzvah, and then like enabling Talmud Torah is like maybe a prototype mitzvah or like some other mitzvah. Mm -hmm. Rav Hutner's like, no. You get the schut of Talmud Torah. And okay, sorry, one second. And you know that it has to be the schut of actual Talmud Torah, says Rav Hutner, because the regular schut of a mitzvah isn't that protective. It's only the schut of Talmud Torah that sort of has this especially strong protective power that's going to save you if you're an accused sota. And you did it. So it has to be that this is the actual schut of Talmud Torah. Rav Hutner says, So we see from this, I'm translating, that this merit of bringing of causing her children to enter the baby drash is considered like the actual merit of Torah itself. Mm-hmm. And not just the schut of a mitzvah, because we say that the, the schut of a regular mitzvah doesn't have the power to delay the sota's punishment. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's part one. Okay. So the schut of enabling someone to learn Torah in this way, in a sort of like background family sense, we can imagine it's like, you know, she's sending her them off in the morning, she's picking them up at night, she's maybe making sure they're taking laundry and food and all yeah. the kinds of things that enable a person. And that's my editorializing, but I think that's pretty... Yeah. I think that's kind of shot. Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, so he's saying it's not a Heksher mitzvah, uh, all these things. It's literally the same thing as Talmud Torah, which would be... Uh, which makes sense because only Talmud Torah would protect against the Sota waters. Yeah, okay. because mitzvot says this Sugit and Sota, reading my little pencil note here, mitzvot mm. only have protective power while you're doing the mitzvah. It's only the schut of Talmud Torah that protects you longer uh, I see. I see where he's going with this, based yeah. on what you were saying before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's piece one. Okay. The next piece in his little section gimel here, He's going to talk about another way that the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is different from all other mitzvot. So this I'm going to read, I think. 
Venera. The ainza elabe Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah is special, right? Like we're this is actually a pretty smooth segue for Rufutner, I think, from one topic section to another topic yeah. section. Yeah. Like, oh, that's an actual transition. I appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Aval Bashar Mitzvot, the Kagon Hamisayeya Biyad Khavero Lakaye Mitzvat Kibuda the aim, in his harshal arichut yamim, hanamar be kibuda udav. Right, so for example, we have this idea that if you do the mitzvah of honoring your parents, racketing whether that means maybe more narrowly supporting them in their old age, maybe it's a more general thing. We shouldn't get into that now, even though it's interesting, I think. Um, right, so if Akiva, you're like, hey, Abigail, can you help me go to the grocery store for my mom? And I'm like, sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not the one who gets the schut of the reward of long life for helping a parent. That's your mitzvah that I'm helping you do, right? Yeah. I don't get the, the same yeah. cosmic mitzvah points. Yeah, even though it is a mitzvah that is always going on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Umikuram shel hadrim halal, lakish. And so we learn this idea that Rav Hunter just told us. From the statement of Reish Lakish, Pa'amim should be Tulash shel Torah zehu kiyuma, dirtif, etc., etc. Okay, so this is a quote from Menachot. This is, I know that if you, you're not supposed to say this is a famous Gemara because a famous Gemara just means a Gemara that someone taught me, but it's, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's it is a, a famous one. It's a famous one. This yeah. is the Yisugya where Moshe breaks the Luchot and Hashem says, Yashar Koach Shashibarta. Great job breaking the Luchot. That was the right thing to do. Does this also have Eislasos? I'm not sure if I'm conflating them in my head or if it's the same Sugya. Okay. It might be the same Sugya. I don't want to say that confidently because you're recording. I don't know how to edit this. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that to the audience to correct us on. Uh, yeah. All right. We just some to our audience. Okay. So yeah, Reish Lakish says that what we learn from this midrash about Hashem saying to Moshe is that sometimes bitula is a very hard. I every time I teach this mamar, I have a really hard time translating it. Yeah, but, he uses the word batel uh, in context that it's hard to really yeah. translate. Uh, uh, the the nonization uh, is what I would say, uh, like the. the Canceling out of vacation. Yeah. Uh, like I yeah. kind of want to say abrogation, but that's not quite right. Yeah, it's also a word that like you only know if you've seen an arts girl. So, yeah, you so know. True. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to say that sometimes if you're Mavatel Torah, that is an upholding of the Torah and everyone will have to forgive my modern orthodoxism. Okay. So we have this idea. Sometimes when you're Mavatel Torah, that actually is what it means to uphold the Torah. The Pirish Rashi, and Rashi is going to tell us what's an example of this. So an example of a case mm. where being Mavatal Torah is like upholding the Torah is if you stop in your learning Torah, Mavatal Torah, mm -hmm. to is literally bringing out the dead, but participating in a funeral in some meaningful way, and yeah, this is making the, uh, a wedding joyful. This is the Osik Mena Mitzvah, Pater Mitzvah doesn't apply to uh, Talmud Torah thing, if I remember correctly. Yes, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. This is from, um, I believe, Kiddushin, yeah. 
with what are the things. I don't know if that added anything. Keep going. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And so these are certain cases where you are Dafka allowed to stop learning Torah and you have to, right? You're in the Beit Midrash, you see outside the window a pretty sparse funeral procession, a pretty sparse wedding party. It's your job to get up and either help mourn or help celebrate. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I just want to pause here and note, what are these cases, right? I think these cases are really interesting cases. Mm -hmm because they're also care in a sort of broader communal sense, right? This yeah. isn't like, it's not a mitzvah for me to like, go to a big fancy wedding in the five towns and dance with the Kala who nobody, who has a million bridesmaids and a large family and is a massive smorg. Yeah. It's a mitzvah to be misameach the Kala or to join a funeral when the person and the family don't have that kind of support. And this is actually providing resources, maybe financially, but I think certainly in the form of energy yeah. most of the time i've seen it it's financial uh, yeah but um yeah the the choice of examples used of mitzvah to uh, that are mevatel torah are uh is significant yeah yeah so and the only thing that makes me think it's not financial is that it's like you're literally in the middle of doing talmud torah and then you have to like get up and do this thing and it's not clear to me what it would be if it wasn't like a physical joining collecting money Maybe it's collecting money. Collect, yeah, I buy collecting that. Collecting money for a dowry. Uh, yeah. That's how I've usually seen it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, great. That's my helpful. Like yeah. Stories. Uh, yeah. Like the, the Magid books from Arts Girl. Mm, I think I remember yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. I just love the image of like getting up from the baby draft to go join a wedding. But I think yeah, this is like is, better in terms yeah, of making sense I, of it. I wouldn't get rid of that image. It's, it's yeah. a great image. Yeah. Yeah. We can have both. Okay. So, okay, so Rashi's given us these examples. That's when Bitul Torah is the kiyum of Torah. You're not actually learning Torah, but you're sort of, it's maybe the most, the, the best, truest fulfillment of learning Torah. And I think part of the reason this phrase works, right, is that Torah as a word has a lot of range. Yeah. Right, yeah. suddenly Bitul learning Torah means kiyum of the mitzvot of the Torah. And like Torah, like, and part of what's interesting about what Rufutner is doing here, I think, is that he's making, he's holding the meaning of Torah actually more constant. But yeah. Like, Torah always Which is a theme with him. Theme with Torah. I, like, um, I'm thinking of the, the the letter that somebody sent him about uh, living a double life by, you know, being a doctor and also learning uh, and also wanting to learn Torah. And he's saying, no, you're not living a double life. You're living a broad life that Torah pervades it. So this is a theme that he comes back to. It's not just in this mamar. It and this relates to like my Derek in learning Rafutner that like there are things that he comes back to. There are like pre-developed themes and he knows how to mm. where they fit. And he's just giving you like, here's one side of it, here's the other side mm. of it. Right? Okay. Yeah. We're we're holding everybody in suspense for the for the <laughs> end of the mamar. So Okay. Okay. So then he brings this question from the Rishonim, very broad again. I'm not holding, my Bikiyas isn't like Rav Hutner's Bikiyas. So some Rishonim have this question in Moed Katan. Right, so we have this idea, the only reason you can 
theme of Atel Talmud Torah is if it's for and it's for that other people can't be fulfilling. In Kiddush, oh, the example given the is right, right, right. It's, and that's why Kibbutz Aim is like the specific mitzvah because you, you have a unique chiyuv in it. But also these are other mitzvot where it's like maybe you're needed specifically because you're the one who's there. Okay. I think I'm right about that. I'm not positive. Okay. So this question is, if you're going to say, like, why do we need to say that there's this kind of special permission in specific cases to be mevatel your Torah learning to go to a mitzvah? Like, if you're doing another mitzvah, shouldn't you not have an existing chiyuv in Talmud Torah? Like, in general, we already have a principle that solves this problem for us. Why are we doing this whole song and dance? So the whole reason you're learning Torah is on the condition that you're going to do the Torah. See further. Okay. So Torah is just has a different status than all other mitzvah. And that the, the sort of normal Osaka mitzvah patram in a mitzvah logic is different for Talmud Torah because Talmud Torah is going to bring you to do lots of mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And so Torah is a categorically, Torah is not a mitzvah like any other, which is a theme here. Yeah. Torah is something that should lead to doing mitzvah. Okay. Okay. And this thought kind of continues into Dalit into this next section. Okay. This is, I think, the most important little paragraph. Vinimsa, the Hadimivat Lintomutar Lachna Satkala, Hainu Mishum Dibila Dai Kium Hamitzvah, Loyit Kayim Nidroshel Tomutorah. Shahu Amanat Lasso Davka. I think the language of Nidro is very interesting here, not least because it's Nidarim in the Dafyomi cycle, so I have Nidarim on the brain. Okay. But just, to, but just to translate before I get ahead of myself. And so we find that this idea that you are Mivatel Talmud Torah, you're just Talmud Torah specifically, you stop learning Torah as an action to do Hachnasat Kala, that is because without fulfilling that mitzvah, you haven't fulfilled your neder or the like. I think it's like the best way to translate this might actually be like, you haven't fulfilled the fundamental promise of what Talmud Torah is. And promise can have there, I think, multiple valences. Yeah. I mean, he might be making reference to like, uh, kfar, uh, the you can't make a neder that violates the Torah because you mm. already made a neder at, uh, at Harsinai. Harsinai, yeah. But uh, that's off the top of my head. I don't, I'm not looking at it inside actually. So mm. uh, that would be my guess, but keep going. I like that. No, that's, that's solid. Yeah. So the whole thing is on condition of doing this mitzvah. Okay. This is this is the best. So and we see that for doing Haknasat Kala, one who's Mivatel, her Torah learning, her Torah learning is not me unable to read Hebrew. That is a feminist translation choice. Mm-hmm. Just for the the haters in the comments, who I'm always concerned about. Um, I can read Hebrew. Um, so if a person stops learning Torah, she gets the schar as if she was learning Torah in that moment. She gets the exact same Torah points. 
דכוחו של תלמוד תורה, מתפשטו על כל העניינים המאפשרים אותו, והמסייעים בידו לעמוד על צביונו ההגון לו. Okay, so what we learn from this, says Rav Hutner, is that the power of Talmud Torah sort of mitzpashets, it spreads. Spreads, yeah, thank you. Yeah. It spreads to all of the things that make it possible and that are supported by it, mm -hmm. that are sort of like fit, suited, that fit its character. And so this line, I think, is particularly important because it has, it goes in two directions. So it's a mm -hmm. callback to the first thing we were talking about, as well as this case now. The schut of Talmud Torah and the power of Talmud Torah means that Talmud Torah, the sort of energy, the, um, the whole sort of, all of the entire deal with Talmud Torah, I was looking for a better word, but it's just gonna be deal. The entire deal with Talmud Torah is that the power of Talmud Torah sort of spreads and touches and includes and sort of absorbs mm. both the kinds of things that enable Talmud Torah and that Talmud Torah enables. Right. So he's going, yeah. yeah, he's going both directions in that, uh, you know, leading to Misa is, you know, Torah is preparation for something else. And then all the things that are involved in, you know, um, uh, allowing Torah to be possible is also coming in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah. And I just want to like put a, put a point again on the cases we have are the kinds of care work that enable Torah to be learned, mm -hmm. sort of women supporting her husband and sons. And then we have, I actually haven't thought about this before this conversation, but Kibud Horim mm -hmm. and also Hachnasat Kalal Vyatanet. Those are all kinds of what are the mitzvot that only you can do. They're the kinds of care that you need to be providing specifically to someone else, yeah. whether that's our obligations towards supporting someone in the community, someone we're related to. Yeah. Goes back to the mutual aid kind yes. of thing that I've been on the past couple uh past couple weeks. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So is that the end of the memoir or is that oh no, there's more. Oh, okay, wait. good. Good. Okay. So that was basically just, and this makes sense of the first case about the person supporting their children and their partner in learning Torah, that it's the schar of Torah itself and not just the schar of mitzvot. So if the mitzvot that you do that are merging from your Torah learning count as the schar of Torah, call the homer, the mitzvot that you're doing, the work that you do to support Torah learning count as Talmud Torah. There's a little bit of uh, Hutnerian reversal uh, here in that it's not in very obvious Kalvachomer. If you ask most people, they would yes. say, right, the mitzvah is like doing a mitzvah is obviously more important than like cleaning up the house, right? 
but he he wants to like change your perspective a little bit like well kava homer if a mitzvah is fine uh, prepares for uh is you know fine to interrupt helmet for then of course right it's interesting yeah. yeah okay and then there's one more idea chunk okay okay so we have so i'm gonna say broadly right now we have familial care and we have community care now we're going to talk about care for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that if I had more time to spend on this in my life, I would want to figure out why it's in this order, but mm -hmm. flagging that for someone else who wants to do that. Okay. So now I'm going to summarize a little bit. Now we're talking about Zvulani Sakhar. Mm -hmm. So, we have this idea. Yisafkar was the one who sat in the tents. Yisachar learned Torah, Zvulun supported him financially. And then we have this idea, again, only applies to Talmud Torah, not other mitzvot. Okay, give me one second. Skipping, skipping. Okay, so then we get to this point. You have to say, should be toolzat smolit Talmud Torah who nechshav. They're kinds of bitul that are considered Talmud Torah itself. So Talmud Torah isn't ever just pushed aside for its just pushed aside kind of stam. Rather, it's only ever mitzbatel for its own needs. What does that mean? So we're referencing another sugya here, which is essentially about in the messianic age, shouldn't we imagine a world where people who aren't Jewish and have no chiv and Talmud Torah do all the farming, and we just sort of get all the food and get to learn Torah all the time? And no, Chazal say in that sugya, no, we have the pasuk that says, that's part of our imagined good life is this farming, is the production of grain. Yeah. We actually don't have this imagined vision of sitting in the baby drash all the time. But that kind of doesn't make sense, actually. If we are supposed, we have a chiyuv in Talmud Torah and not necessarily yeah. a chiyuv in V'asaf Tadiganecha. So right, the actual vision of the good life the Gemara is presenting is this, this, saying this pasuk that a person Oration, Zorea, person, the person that I always get the agricultural. They do farming stuff. A person does the appropriate farming stuff at the appropriate farming times. Yeah. Because actually, even dealing with iske derech eretz, so the sort of, I'm going to say the standard life sustaining work, that is considered where you're not learning Torah actually, but that is considered a fulfillment of Torah learning. Okay. And so what is interesting about this is that this is self-care is a very loaded word because now self-care is just like buy some stuff, but self-care in its sort of more activist sense that actually investing in the kinds of care we give ourselves as a meaningful part of our lives and that give value to our own experiences and that we shouldn't only be productive in the mind, but also present in our bodies, et cetera, et cetera. This is right. a vision of that. Right. So it's not just about the Torah that is produced here. It's also about the 
process in which that is produced. Am I, am I getting that right at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then we have, we have family care, we have community care, and now we have self-care as all mm -hmm. elements of the kinds of care that fall under Tulaze Hukuma that are like Mamish Tamatara. Not like other good stuff that you should do with your day, says our footner. It's not this picture of like, oh, like, you know, you have your Limure Kodesh in the morning and then you have your math classes in the afternoon and they're both part of a good life. That's not the picture of Huttner is talking about. That's maybe also good, but that's it's a different thing. Huttner is saying that all of the kinds of care, all of these mitzvot that are, I think, care related, that's my argument, is mm -hmm. that all of those are actually Manish Talmud Torah. I think, and there's no yeah, differentiating between the intellectual work and the sort of more material work. Mama, and then I'm, yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. And so now Rafutner is going to explain why all of this matters to solve the problem that we might have had with the toast foot at the beginning. So the host foot could only possibly say that we make one bracha because the chiyuv for the mitzvah lasts all day. The host foot could only say that about the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. So, because for Talmud Torah, actually, many other activities count as Torah. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, we don't treat it like you've moved your attention away from Talmud Torah when you're going about your day. Mm -hmm. And then he explains how that's different from tefillin, where you're interrupting your... Yeah. Sort of, you have your hesachadat, you remove your attention from the activity. So in other words, the reason why your mind, you, the, because you have a chiv, uh, your mind never moves from it. The reason why that works is because the definition of Torah learning is so broad, according to Rav Huttner, that, yeah, as long as you're involved in anything, you're learning Torah, involved yeah. in like the process of Torah being produced. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think not, I don't think he would say anything, anything. Yeah. Uh, but, like, as you know, I was you saying wake up, you take your like... shower, you eat your breakfast. Like those are all part of Talmud Torah. You feed your kids. Yeah. You do whatever kinds of community work need to be done. Like those are all Talmud Torah. And so it's not like you like closed your safer. Oh no, I need to come back. I need to make a new bracha. I've done a new yeah. activity. It's that closing your safer is part of the process of learning Torah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He says this elsewhere. Um, and as part of the preparation, as part of the is like setting up for something in uh, Pesach Ayin. And then he says there's another level of learning, which is one of my favorites. Uh, but uh, anybody who's listening should check that out. But I want Abigail to make her point. Uh, so keep going. Yeah, I think that's most of what I have to say about this memoir. I integrated into the commentary while I was reading. Yeah. But basically, I think this is a real picture of, I think what makes this really feminist mm -hmm. is that I think there was, there was a second wave tendency to say we should all be men, as it were, which yeah. is the sort of least charitable, least generous way of summarizing that approach. 
but it's saying right that the thing that would make the world more feminist the imagined horizon is everyone gets to do what men do and there's been a lot of pushback especially in the field of care ethics that says no part of patriarchy part of sexism part of misogyny has been devaluing things because they're feminized and a huge part of that is care work in all its forms yeah so my question to you i i you pitched me on this before my question to you would be to what extent is that a valuing of women's work and to what extent is that you have your own place and you have your own place in the hierarchy don't worry about it too much like you know you you also get scarred talmud torah like how do you see that as different or do you see that uh what do you think of that basically that is my question i think it's all in the framing Mm -hmm. i think that like if this was a sheer that was given at like you know women's white wine night originally i would feel very different about it than like this is like it's just like in his safer it was a mom it's like a mama from rev hutner yeah it's not like directed he... at women it's not a like pacifying thing and i think that dafka because it, like the fact that the audience women... was men yes is like hey remember there are people who are providing all these things for you you know yeah. keep track of that yeah yeah and i think also the only one of the examples is specifically women but the other yeah. are kind of acts of care that are where the chiyuv is on men yeah and i think um i noticed that some of the sources that he uses are tangential to the topic of women's learning um i should also mention that uh you know in terms of rev hutner's feminist bona fides um I mean, my grandmother would like very much like me to say here that he encouraged my grandfather to uh, uh, hold her as an aguna for six years. So again, complicated guy. Not everything. I think that, like, first of all, my grandmother would never forgive me if I didn't say that. And second of all, like, you don't have to hear a worship to respect a guy. But it's significant that, first of all, he writes this piece. Second of all, significant that he names his daughter Bruria. Right. Uh, you know, Buria is the daughter of Rebbe Mayer. You know more about this than I do. Wife of Rebbe Mayer. Re- wife of Rebbe Mayer. Sorry. See, she daughter does Rebbe know more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, it's significant that he names his daughter Buria because Buria is seen in rabbinic literature, not in the Gemara, as having like a tragic end. Uh, you know more about this than I do. Yeah. So I'm not super. There's a Rashi that basically says, Rebbe Mayer and Breria have this argument where he says, Nashim Zatan Kalot, women are weak-willed. And Breria is like, how dare you? And Rebbe Mayer is like, I'll prove it. And then he gets his student to seduce her. She is, once she realizes what's happened, she's really upset. She dies by suicide. Yeah. But in the Gemara, she just kind of walks around teaching Torah. Yeah. So Mostly Torah about morality specifically, which is, I think, a worthwhile yeah. note about Breria. It's not like she's like, with the one exception of a Tosefta in Kalim about Toma and Tara. Yeah, you wrote a um, master's thesis on this and other topics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So again, you know more than the, about this than I do. But like the fact that he ignores that end is like, yeah, I'm going to name my daughter Buria. Deal with it. Uh, that seems, you know, significant. Um, I think, first of all, just in terms of my general reactions, 
Um, one thing I thought of is, uh, you know, Bitalahi Kuma, like the tangents that we go on when learning Torah, uh, as evidenced in this podcast, like that is a good language to express, uh, you know, why that is valuable, even though it's not strictly learning Torah. Yeah. Right. It is part of the process, part of the process of like making it fun or making it interesting is there, uh, you know, getting into other topics, you know, talking about that, uh, talking about this and that, you know, stuff like that. Um, that was not a descriptive sentence at all. I would take that out if I knew how to edit this. Um, and I think your point that it is going towards a valuing of women's labor is very interesting and shows that he was thinking about different ways of approaching Torah, fitting in with his, you know, sort of uh, fitting in with his general view that the definition of what constitutes Torah is very expansive. Yeah. He sh it shows that he was thinking about like, well, how does this apply to people that normally don't get think thought about? Yeah. And, you know, the extent to which he was able to, you know, sort of say what he meant is something that I'm going to deal with throughout these podcasts, but like seems to be hinting at a more complex view than you would necessarily attribute to him. And I think you're correct in that. Um, so you have to go, I but have to go. Gotta okay, so we're going to wrap this up and uh, okay. Avigal, do you want to plug what you're doing? happily uh, so, okay okay otherwise i'll do it for you oh, uh that might be better yeah i'll cringe too much i'll cringe too much if so it's better that i do it myself and feel a little embarrassed than hear okay. someone else do it and feel a lot embarrassed okay so you can find me on the internet at avigail.substack.com i have a pretty large archive now of feminist torah on the parsha and periodically i'm still putting some out and that name of my newsletter is approaching abigail.substack.com and you can find me on twitter by putting my name into the twitter search bar and then you can press the follow button and i'll have a tiny bit of serotonin if you do that maybe dopamine i don't know i'm in smicha who cares i don't know i don't know the names of chemicals it'll feel nice for a second yeah, I will. press the button so please press the yeah button. uh yeah and i endorse uh most of what abigail writes <laughs> Like I can't endorse everything that everybody writes, but like no, that's a she produces policy. good stuff and you should read it. <laughs> uh, and I'm Akiva Weisiger. Uh, I have this podcast. I have other stuff too. Uh, you probably know that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Till next time.